What's up, guys? John Stacy here, your host of Thick, Strong, and Awkward, the podcast. Uh, today, I have Luke Davies kicking off my international uh, interviews. Hoping to get a few more boys on here, but uh, it's tough to get some responses and scheduling and whatnot. What with being overseas and time differences. Anyway, Luke made time for me today, and it was an excellent talk, I think. Learned a lot. Um, he's a former world record holder with the deadlift uh and a few other pretty savage um things that he's pulled off in his life and especially recently with his own gym um without further ado i'll let him tell a story here we go how's it going man how you doing yeah not bad man not bad yeah. <laughs> oh, well, you said it's what, 6.30 over there? 5 or 7.30? 7.30 now, yeah. 7.30. Wow. I guess. I don't know why I thought it was a later time difference. I figured you'd be like 10 o'clock right now. No, that'd be more like Eastern Europe, I think. Checks out. Yeah, it's not too bad when we travel to the US, to be honest, the time difference. Yeah, six hours isn't too bad. I mean, you got, I'm from Alaska, so anytime I went to Florida, it's a four-hour difference. So I mean, you're right yeah. there, pretty close. Yeah. So what have you been up to, man? How's uh, you training these days? What are you planning on? Training's going pretty good. Uh, um, this year has been all over the place just because so much shit has been going on. Uh, still, obviously, dealing with the fallout from COVID. Um, I kind of stepped up the promotional side of chaos. I've been running a lot of shows myself. Mm-hmm. And that kind of took um, precedence, to be honest, this year. Sure. But I'm hoping next year now we'll get back into the swing of things. We, mo- we moved uh, across country as well. And we've been renovating our house. So we've had a lot of shit, <laughs> shit going on in 2021. Yeah. How's uh, So you were saying that the COVID restrictions over there are pretty crazy. It's uh, drastically um, different I'm, than the US. <laughs> I'm, at the moment, they're not too bad. Um okay. But the case of just skyrocketing again, so they're talking about bringing more in after Christmas. So we don't have a clue what's going to happen, basically. Um, they were really bad last year. Our lockdown lasted a lot longer <laughs> than most things in America, I think. Our, mm-hmm. our, our gym was closed for almost six months. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that wasn't good for the financial aspect um, in 2020. Uh, but now, now it's, it's I don't want to say it's back to normal, but as normal as it's going to be, we still have like, um, we still have mask restrictions over here. You have to wear masks basically everywhere indoors. Sure. Um, but other than that, at the moment, it's okay. But I think it's going to get worse. Yeah, probably. I think a lot of places are kind of going that way. I know um, it's a state by state case here uh whether or not there's mask mandates but a lot of them have been re-implemented in the last month or so yeah yeah there's this talk next year of having an actual vaccine mandate as well as in we have get, otherwise yeah. if you don't get the vaccine you're gonna get fined and sent to prison like eventually oh okay that's that's dramatic wow they've, they've already done it in austria uh-huh. and like and germany i think wow and it's like a big fine, a couple of thousand dollars. Like if you don't get the I'm vaccine sure. by, by a certain date. 
Wow. So, yeah, we have uh, there's a few states that are implementing a man- mandate in order to go um, into like venues if you want to go to a concert or things like that or some grocery stores even. But uh, definitely nothing. California probably is it? Uh, yeah, I think California is doing it. I know Washington started it. Uh, Oregon, I believe. New York. Um, those you know bigger demographic areas. Yeah, going to Florida in November was wild. It was like yeah. COVID. COVID, what did even exist? <laughs> I've heard that from a lot of people. I was actually in Florida two weeks ago. And uh, I mean, I went from Texas to Florida. And Texas, like we moved to Texas from Washington. So it was a big change there. But even like as free as Texas is, like going to Florida yeah. was like completely open. It was wild. It was wild, especially because we came off. Of the, of the airplane and the airport in the UK and the airplane itself was like super strict with everything. And as mm-hmm. soon as we left Orlando Airport, it was like a different planet. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Did you, do you have to get um, papers to fly? Like, how's that going right now for cross country? Did you? Um, we had to have a vaccine passport okay. to show that we were vaccinated to get into the US. Um, gotcha. For, for OS3, you could get in without a vaccine if you had a NIE. So if you had an exemption, it was a national interest exemption. Um, But they've stopped those now because the rules have changed. I'm pretty sure now that if you're unvaccinated, you have no fucking chance of getting (laughs) getting into the US. It's pretty much the only thing I've got. (laughs) And you were saying you were were trying to... Yeah, you're trying to come to the uh, Nashville Clash Super Series, but you're not thinking that's going to be possible now, huh? Yeah, so when I knew I wasn't going to be um, ready for OS3, really, because I just didn't have the, I didn't have the time to train for OS3, to, to be honest. So I was like, I wanted something to focus on. So I, I messaged Tyler asking if they were having international entrance. So I signed up, but I don't think it's going to be a goer. Um, I'm fairly sure more restrictions will come into place. In the next week or two, and it's not just that the cost is just skyrocketing. Um, yeah. when, when we went for OS3, we only had to get one test, um, and that was only before we left. Now they've changed it to test, test before we leave mm-hmm. when you land in America, and then the same coming back. So it's gone from like say a hundred dollars to like an extra 400 just in tests. Oh, you, so you have to actually pay for those because for I think most oh. of the time they're free here. Uh, we had to pay for them in, all, in the really? airport in Orlando as well, yeah, because um, I, th- I think it's because it's purely for travel. It's not like sure. a health thing. If you, have, if, you symptoms, if you have symptoms over here, you get a free test. Mm-hmm. But if you want to go somewhere, you have to pay for a bit. You're basically paying for the privilege of leaving. <laughs> so yeah, that makes cost, sense. The cost of going to, I know it's not just to qualify because they have private money and it's a great lineup, but the cost of, like, originally I was like, oh, I'd be able to do it for like, you know, less than a thousand dollars, fly out, stay for like two days, fly home. But the cost <laughs> seemed to be going up every week with all the COVID shit. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't see that change anytime soon either, especially as things, even if things open up a little bit, so many people are going to be flying, they're going to rank those prices up. Awesome. Oh, someone's making money off, ain't they? Yeah, always. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I'm not sure what my next move is now. Uh, I might focus on the deadlift and aim to do that to clash instead okay because he's doing the um world deadlift championship thing as well mm-hmm. isn't he a clash so i'm thinking i might go for that 
Okay. How, I guess, I don't know how you would qualify for that. Cause he's been having people have to qualify at the super series, but. For the deadlift, this is what he told me last year. It might have changed. Um, he's obviously, he's going to invite the current world record holder. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to invite the Americans who qualified in the different super series of the deadlift events. And I think he's said he's going to do like an online thing where basically you can send him a, if you send him a video of you pulling 900 pounds, <laughs> He'd like, yeah, come to, come to clash. I, yeah. I, I think that's what he said. So I would imagine. I mean, that makes the most sense because there's no way you're going to get international guys able to come qualify here just like you're dealing with, you know? So, yeah. yeah so, what, because yeah. uh, you held the record at one point, right? At like 880? Yeah, I broke it. Originally, I put 400. Okay. Then Adam, then Adam Dirks pulled 402. Gotcha. Then I pulled 405. <laughs> and pre-repulled, pulled four of six, the same show as me. But oh. five minutes after, after I pulled four or five, then I pulled four ten, which was the first nine hundred pound pull on one hundred five, and it's been broken twice since. Um, Matthew McKeegan broke it first, mm-hmm. and it got broken two weeks ago, I think, by yeah, that's, um, that's... Blake Louvering, South African. He pulled four fifty. There you go. So. Just pushing that bar, yeah. man. It's getting up there. Um, I've pulled 420 in a show, but I didn't cut away for it because I was feeling lazy. So I'm confident oh, okay. I have. Yeah. How long has it been yeah, since you uh, did a heavy pull like that? It is, uh, that show was end of 2020, I think it was. Yeah, end of 2020. Okay. I didn't really um, peak my pull last year just because I had no reason to. Because there's nothing really going sure. on. Yeah. So, no yeah, reason to like, tax your body that way. Yeah, and those heavy deadlift peaks ruin my life. So <laughs> that's kind of why I didn't catch the last one because I was like, oh, I just can't be bothered. Yeah. Along with the peak, I was like, let's have some fun. Um, in hindsight, if I'd known my record was going to broken, I would have. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. How, uh, you don't see it very often that a record gets broken back to back at a comp like that. How'd it feel to be the first one and then to have that that edge taken uh, away? It wasn't that bad because it going into the show, like in prep, everything. Um, I had that four or five number in my head, like that was the number I was going for. So when you pull the four or six, and the four or five I pulled was like half a kilo more than I would have failed it. It was like. like RP11. So, uh, <laughs> like, even if I would gone back 10 minutes and put the extra two kilos on, I, would, I don't think I would have got it. So, it was fair enough. Getting, but it was also, it was pretty cool as well, though. Um, and the, the conditions leading up to the comp weren't ideal. So, I was pretty happy after I'd woken up. So, because we did a show 10 days before it in. It was like a circuit around Europe. So they had a, I think they called it the World Grand Prix in Czech Republic. Okay. And that was like the heaviest show I've ever seen in my life at 105. It was like a thousand pound yoke, overhead medley. It was something stupid. The Morsels only got the first item. It was a deadlift medley that had the starter on 700 pounds on a standard bar. Holy shit. 
it was a, it was stupid. So I was <laughs> fucking ruined after that show. My back was a piece of it. I'm like, oh fuck, I've got to try and break the world record in ten days. So oh man, yeah, I was like, I'll take the four or five and be happy. Did did you have to cut for the that show as well? Yeah, it was weird. So I cut for the first show. So my usual cut. I can't remember what it was. It was like fifteen pounds or something. And then, but then it was so freaking hot in Europe at the time. Like for me as well, especially being from fucking Wales, it was like really hot. And I just never, I didn't put the weight back on after the first show. Oh, okay. I went back. I went back up to like maybe two thirty-five after the first show, and it just stayed off me. So that aspect wasn't too bad. It was. It was odd. I just never didn't gain the weight back after the first competition. Yeah, um, I wonder if that affects you, like, if you're just struggling to rehydrate that whole time, so maybe you weren't even at peak, like, performance, or? Oh, it definitely wasn't peak, peak performance, because I pulled 900, 902, like, six weeks mm-hmm. later, and it was like a speed run. <laughs> when I actually um, prepped properly for it, so. Uh, yeah, I think that, that was the main issue, the heat, and I was in a different country, because I, stay, I stayed out in Europe in between the two shows. Oh, okay. I stayed, I stayed in Czech Republic for a week. Yeah. I'm training with Dreary and Tyson and a few other guys. And then we went to Ukraine. Okay. So I obviously didn't have my own kitchen, blah, 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 the usual stuff. Right. Yeah, that's tough. That's uh, that's a rough aspect when you're going for a world record is when you, if you have to travel like that, you know, not everybody's quite as fortunate as uh, Eddie Hall to do his world record, you know, <laughs> a couple hours away. No, we, um, we got taken to the hotel in Ukraine and then they were like on the morning of the show then they said oh we drive into the venue and then the actual competition was like three hours away in a bus from the hotel so we like a three hour wow. bus ride and then we had to do all this promo stuff and um, the competition was cool it was held on a beach oh cool and it, was, it was badass lots of people watching but like it was so freaking hot mm-hmm. and it was like there was no shade. We were doing it like out in the sun. I th- I think I was in my suit for like three hours. Holy. Yeah, so it wasn't like the ideal circumstances. <laughs> but I thought, I yeah, not not many cool. I thought so. Yeah. Yeah, nothing to keep your back nice and loose like a three-hour bus ride in the heat. Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> and the road, the roads in Ukraine are fucking terrible as well. So it's like a pothole every thirty seconds. <laughs> But yeah, that's wild. It was an experience. It was an experience. Yeah. Was there uh was there a good sized crowd there? I always wonder how the European shows are. It seems like there's always oh. more spectators. Yeah, there was I'm I'm not sure like of physical number, but both shows the one in Czech and Ukraine, it was like five or six people deep at the barriers, like and just crazy loud. I had to wow. take like four photos for like an hour at the end of the show. Just, yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> That's awesome. I wonder what what do you think that it is that gets everybody over there so fired up about this sport that everybody in America could not care less about? The one thing I always say with the issue is with America is just it's pure geography. So like it's so freaking America's so big mm. that even though you have probably you probably have more strong competitors and more strong fans than any other country. But sure. for for any show you put in, the only people who can really attend it are people in that 
state or even that city, to be honest, because like some places in Texas, are like, I don't know, seven, eight hour drive from other places in Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Where, whereas in countries like the UK and the um, Czech Republic, um, it's almost smaller. Like, if you put a show on, everybody can go. Like if you put a show on in the UK, there's nobody in the UK who can't attend it as a spectator. That's okay. Because you can drive if you put in the middle of the UK, like right in the middle, everybody can get there in five hours. Wow. Because it, so I think that has a big aspect to it. In Europe itself, I think Europe, Eastern Europe especially, they just have the culture of weightlifting. They just, they just mm-hmm. love anything to do with it out there. So I think that has a, a just a big part of it. It's just entrenched in the culture. Like, yeah, I'm not sure. It don't get me wrong. The one in Czech Republic, especially, was well advertised. Like we were going through the town the day before, and there were billboards everywhere, like big freaking billboards in the town centre. You know, posters. Awesome. So I think I think purely advertising. Whereas um, you go to OST, for example, um, and I love Lynn. I love OST, so I'm not talking shit about him. But I, I said this to him. Nobody in the Daytona Beach area even knew OSD was happening. Yeah, I went in 2019 and it was the same deal. We would go out to like the bars afterwards or whatever, and everybody was had nobody we talked to had any idea what was going on. Yeah. So I think I think that's just a big aspect. Just the shows I competed at just appear to be better marketed. Yeah, yeah, that's tough too. It's strange you go to a, a show here, even the Clash Super Series, and like Tommy and Waco did a really good job. Like he was out putting banners yeah. up and stuff. Um, but you can only do so much when it's it's fairly new and growing. Um, yeah. But like we'd go to the store or whatever, and everybody's like, "What the hell are these guys doing here? What do they want?" Like we were all grocery shopping and like filming and stuff, and never like nobody has any idea. Nobody. And then you try. They're like, "What do you do?" And it's like, "Well, we compete in Strongman," and they just look at you like with this blank stare. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I feel like over in Europe, at least like you said, culturally, it's passed down as well. Like a lot of European countries have that in their foundation and they really celebrate that. And that's just not a thing here. Dreary, for example, who runs the shows in Czech, I assume you know Dreary, um, mm-hmm. the Catholic. He's like a minor celebrity in his hometown. <laughs> oh, wow. That's awesome. Like, like everybody knows him. After, like two days after the show, he was like, oh, do you want to come to the local fire station to pull a fire truck? Because they've asked me if I'll go down, and we're like, "Yes, of course." <laughs> so just the little things like, um, so I think that helps. If you're in a small town like he is, and everybody knows you, he gets everybody to come out to the show. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love that, that environment. Oh yeah, it's super cool. Uh, I'll have to. I'm hoping to make it over there for a comp here at some point, but we'll see. I'm sure that's going to be a ways off. Yeah, you could, man. Even if like you don't have any expectation, expectations of winning the thing, it's just it was a really good experience. I found that I love competing in different countries. Just I, I just like traveling to different places. So yeah, yeah, me too. What? Uh, so we were talking a little bit on Instagram about like the advertisement for the international qualifier. Um, yeah. You said you really didn't see a ton of it over there on your end. Uh, I'm just curious, like we, we talked about it briefly, just, I don't know if it's Instagram and YouTube algorithms not showing it over there or what's going on. Cause it was posted a lot here. 
I, I knew about it, obviously, because um, I'm friends with Firm and I talked to Firm quite a bit. Right? Mm-hmm. But all, I saw the initial post and then I only ever saw it there after that on Instagram stories. Okay. I didn't see any actual, and that's, I didn't see any actual extra posts. Again, I'm not sure if that's to do with the algorithm. I didn't see anything on YouTube. Okay. I'm glad I don't use YouTube that much, but I do go on it like every few days. Um, and the thing is, I'm, I've been to America like three or four times. I know all the American guys. I follow them on Instagram. So I'm someone who will see everything. Yeah. For someone who doesn't follow Furman, for example, would you see it? Like, I, I don't Brown. know. Yeah. What, I, uh, not- what would you recommend moving forward to help that? Is there, is there an avenue that the like European specifically would see it more than Instagram or YouTube, or would it just be partnering with somebody to help? I think the, the way firm is already planned, I spoke to firm already and he's planning next year to have actual qualifiers for Europe. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do think it, there is a mentality with the European guys that they want to earn this spot through shows rather than do like only qualify things like this old school uh, mentality yeah. of these Europeans where they want they'd rather do a show and win and qualify than just upload some videos. Um, so I think I think Firmin has the right idea. I'm sure he said there's going to be a British qualifier. He's got a Scandinavian one lined up with Kiki in Norway. Norway, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he'll get, he'll end up doing one in Eastern Europe. Whether he'll speak to Cleary or one of the other guys in the area, there's a few promoters. I think long term that's the way to do it. Um, mm. I'm 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 I, I'm quite baffled by the lack of um, participation in the international one. Um, I know I didn't be a hypocrite because I, I didn't sign up for him. <laughs> going on, so um, yeah, I thought it'd be a lot higher, um, but. Like we said on Instagram, it is very new. Yes, and I think it is. Yeah. It's moving in the right direction. So, yeah, I think. Uh, it, I mean, just the fact that international boys are now even in the mix is huge compared to this last year, where unfortunately they couldn't be um, because of COVID and whatnot. Uh, I think that's going to help. Obviously, we're going to get some some boys over uh, as best as possible with travel stuff. Um, that are doing the online qualifier, but yeah, that is tough too, is getting people um, able to pay attention to the online qualifier drops and get them in on time and stuff. But I think that's the fairest way to do it without an actual event over there, which is like you said, the plan moving forward. Yeah. I way prefer this system to online qualifier than the OS3 one. The OS3 one just drops way too long. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's just a bit shit. It's not exciting. Whereas this this way, it's yes. Yeah, I, I think the way you set up the qualifying this year is great. It's just a lack of mm-hmm. participation. Disappointing. But there are still some good guys doing it. Matthew just came fourth or always three. Mm-hmm. Um, McKeegan, he's doing it. Um, there's a few other British guys I know were strong, like um, Glenn Cutler, who's won England's strongest man a few times, doing it. Okay. Um, so this is few good guys, and I'm not I'm not familiar with a lot of the actual like European guys' names. So they might okay. be very very strong, um, but there's a few good guys doing it. Will definitely um, hold their own at the actual class show, I think. 
That was that's another question, actually. Um, so over here in America, you know, yeah, we we do have a fair amount of competitors, just very spread out. But yeah. typically, we know all of the names of who actually stays competing, even if it's local level. Like I'll travel across the country and run into people that I've competed with against before. Yeah. Uh, but there's always those dark horses that show up that are like out of nowhere. Is that common in Europe as well? Um, in the UK, I think it's fairly familiar. We all pretty much know each other. Mm-hmm. One of five scene, but I like I said, the couple of times I competed in Europe. There's been a few guys I've never heard of, been absolute freaks. <laughs> like um, uh, when I first went to um, not the one I first, the second um, Ultimus from our worlds, I'd never heard of Maris Crevelis before that show. He's the guy who ended oh, really? up winning it, uh-huh. um, and he, he ended up winning the SCR Worlds in the same year, I think. And he was an absolute monster. Like he, he is. Generally, I think he's the best one of five I've ever competed against. Okay, he was just stupid at everything, and yeah. I think he ha- he has like nine hundred followers on Instagram. Yeah, that's crazy. There's so many just savage athletes in this sport that nobody knows about. Yeah. They yeah, and the same was um the first year I went to Czech Republic in 2018. There was two poor couple of Polish dudes, and they were freaks. And then the year after, there's two different Polish dudes. So I was like, oh, they must be like number three and four in Poland. And they were just as strong. So I was like, how many <laughs> Polish 105s are there who are just absolute? Pujanowski over there just uh, knocking up women, I guess, in the 80s. There's like there's five or six of them were all just absolute savages. I would say America has more strength and depth than any other country. Oh, really? Yeah, like, just when I look at the, I'll say, amateur nationals, I see people who come like fifth or sixth in the amateur nationals, don't even win a pro card, and I'm like, they're fucking really, really good, whereas in the other country, there seems to be one or two good guys, and then, or maybe three or four, and there's quite a big drop-off in terms Mm -hmm. of ability, whereas I feel like, yeah, they might be... um, three or four, three to five guys in the US who are better than everybody else. Like, say, at the moment, you've got a Camby, um, yeah. Chad Gurriel, Justin Loy, um, we're, miss, we're missing, like, Jeff Lee. Um, yeah. That's what guys were, like, good. But then the guys from, say, number six to 20 are all still really good. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It might not be, like, in contention for like say winning OS3, but like they can make the finals or OS3 sort yeah. of thing. And, then, and they might be 20 of those in the US. Whereas other countries may only have four or five. So mm-hmm. yeah. It's um it's a weird balance. Sure. Yeah, we we still struggle to get those guys to show up to comps though. <sighs> I think, do you think not think a lot of it was in the past? Because, like, I follow the Americans quite in depth, like the whole system mm-hmm. and stuff. Before Clash came along, what was the point after doing your, when your pro card? Like, what yeah. was it to do? You got two shows a year, mm-hmm. and one of them would be heavyweight if you want to do the Arnold. Yeah. So, yeah, so no, that's, a, that's a very valid point. <laughs> um, so I think we'll see a higher attention now and we'll see more people competing more often and we'll get better guys coming. Like 
the fact that Adam Dirks is coming down full time now to compete at 105 because of the prize money and the prestige that Clash is bringing. Whereas mm-hmm. when he first did the full record, they had the full record two or three, I think it was like three years ago. He was, he was like, he wasn't interested in coming down to do a full show because yeah. he didn't see any reason to. Whereas now, there's reasons for people to actually compete. So I think, I think yeah. we will see that change. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's absolutely true. Um, the prestige, like you said, and then the prize money that, uh, Furman has gotten, and then it's bumping up, you know, ASM bumped, uh, over 10 yeah. grand, um, stuff like that. So people are coming out and I mean, well, just the nat- yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. I think yeah, we got eight and a half in the one fives this year for the top three. So compared to $500, I think when the year we won it, <laughs> Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Scanning there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's on its uh, upward trajectory. What uh, what would you say? I mean, obviously, you're looking at doing actual shows now as well. You were thinking about Nashville. How has your training really transitioned into that? Have you, you know, obviously not doing a deadlift peak? Um. So basically, didn't train events for like two years. <laughs> so. I've been interested trying to get back into the swing of things. Um, some stuff came came back relatively quickly, like sandbags. Um, feeling good, um, just because the back strength. Um, sure. York, um, the York was quite light, so it was, I think it was an eight hundred pound York. Mm-hmm. So I'm no issues with that really. Um, the, the one thing I did struggle with was the, my grip with the, the farmers. My grip is like, can I be using straps exclusively for yeah. three years straight? <laughs> yeah. I actually have to um, hold on to things now. So that was the biggest um, issue for me. But I've been enjoying it. Um, body's a lot more beat up than it was when I was just doing deadlifts. Um, but yeah, it's been good. Um, I did like kind of forget how hard it is to improve everything at the same time and i forgot how hard it is to get my deadlift sessions in when i'm doing stones and york and squats and all this other shit it's ruining my deadlift sessions yeah what can you do so you said you weren't really doing any events were you doing other like were you doing press days at all yeah i was i I, when i say events i mean like moving events i still still train train logs gotcha um Still doing a bit of axle. Still doing like some bench and squats, but I wasn't really doing any farmers, York. I was still mm-hmm. doing a bit of stones as well, because that's like static event in my opinion. But yeah. I was look I was thinking about break, going for the world stone record at one point, but then fucking Adam and Josh fucked that up on the weekend, so now I got no chance. No, you don't think so? Well, I bought a four hundred eighty four four hundred eighty four pound stone. About uh-huh. five months ago, so I was like, one of my goals for next year was to load that, and now that's twenty pounds behind. So, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, five hundred two is uh, it's pretty savage, man. And then I, yeah. I don't know if you watched the stream, but Dirks, I yeah, swear, it, had that five twenty. Yeah, he just looked a bit tired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure what his training is like normally, but if I was Max Stone, I wouldn't do twenty pound jumps. No. So I think if he'd gone from like say 480 to 520, I think it would have probably gone. 
Yeah, I, I agree. We talked about it a little bit afterwards too, did a quick interview. And that's what he was saying was it was just, it was, there's a lot of volume leading into a, oh, that yeah. heavy of a stone. Yeah. Um, but it, it, the stream was really fucking good. I thought like really professional, like mm-hmm. the cam- the angles were great. The um, commentary, commentary was good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought it was really good. Really good event. Yeah, that was, uh, that was the I'm from Denver crew is who did the uh, the live stream yeah. there. And them, them and ADL have just been changing the game over here as far as streams go. I, I'm waiting for uh, some, some company to start doing it in the UK so I can use it for my shows. But there doesn't seem yeah. to be uh, anyone around <laughs> yet. So I might just have to make somebody else do it because someone I know. But mm-hmm. that's that's the one thing I want to start doing is getting the live stream going. But unless it's a good live stream, in my opinion, sure. no no live stream is better than a bad live stream. Yeah, I would agree. <laughs> like when you watch a strongman corporation fucking live stream and it's on someone's phone and you have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. And you don't know who's up, you don't know what class it is, it's just a freaking shambles. And I was like, Yeah, I'd rather not have anything. So that we haven't done any live streams yet for that reason. Unless they proper live streams that don't want to bother. Yeah, yeah, I get that. But yeah, it was really good. It just made me sad how um, high they put that up on the record. <laughs> yeah, um, you said so. You you run shows because you you own a gym, right? Chaos. Yeah, I've got um, a gym in um, England. Um, Chaos, probably one of the more well-known gyms in the UK now. In the strongman scene, and we started running shows for two years. Well, well, when we first opened, really, like three years ago, but we've, we've really ramped it up the last like six to ten months. I've been doing a show pretty much every month of some kind. Yeah. Um, like the way it works over here is a little bit different. Um, we don't tend to have all the classes in a show, so we'll do like novice only shows, and oh, then okay. um, like complete beginner shows where you can only compete if it's your first competition. And then we might do a, a women's only show and then just just a 105 show, just a 19 show, that sort of thing. Gotcha. So we can do shows a lot more often because um, mm-hmm. that's just how, how it works over here. Like you'll, you'll very rarely ever see a show over here that offers every class. Like I don't okay. think I've ever do seen you- do you think that that benefits you guys for running shows just because you can do them more often or does it keep people more involved? Um, I I prefer it for the most part um, because I feel like it makes the classes more competitive. Sure. Like we re- we very rarely have a class that has less than 10 people. Okay. Like very rarely. Whereas I see a lot of US shows. I might be generalizing just because the ones I see on my feed and people comp- competing on their own or against two people, or against three other All people. too often. All and, too um, often. If we if we don't get five people signing up, we'll cancel class. We'll say, better luck next time. Like, we don't merge it. We'll just say we're not running it. Um, yeah. So it definitely encourages, like, more competitiveness. Yeah, I like that. And, I like that idea of not not running, just, just for the sake of running at a show with, like, two or three people. It's just not... It's pointless, Nothing. in my opinion. Yeah. Nobody, yeah. Nobody's benefiting from it. The athlete's mm-hmm. not benefiting from it. The organizer's not, because if only three people are signing up and you've had to buy three trophies, you've probably lost freaking money. 
<laughs> True. <laughs> um, you're not learning anything. And yeah, I'm not a fan of personally the way it works in the US. I understand why it does with the federations and stuff like that, but we don't have that over here. So yeah, I was wondering what. I was wondering, what is, do you have any kind of governing body for yourself? I know you have SCL that runs through wherever, um, but they don't have like sanctioned events, right? No, um, there's no, in the UK, there's, no, there's nothing, there's nothing yeah. in Europe really either. So even though you have like Ultimate Strongman Worlds and um, SCL Worlds, that's literally all they do is the big show. They okay. don't, they're, not, they're not a federation or a sanctioned body. It's just a name to attach mm-hmm. to the um, events. So yeah, it's it's a free it's a free for all essentially in the UK. Gotcha, interesting. Even our nationals are like that. So under ninety kilo nationals, under eighty kilo nationals, under one hundred five nationals are three different shows run by three different promoters. It was wow. completely different yeah. events. So yeah. it's like it's it's completely separate. It's true. Huh? It's, it's strange that it's so different over there. I mean, I guess. You know, at least Strength Lead is doing it similar to what they do over there where they're separating classes. I really like that. Um, I think it is keeping it more competitive, like you said. I'd like to see it eventually. What I want them to do is kind of meet somewhere in the middle. So have like, maybe not all the classes, but maybe you could put, like we are planning to do a show next year where we put the 80s, 90s, and 105s together. Okay. But I feel like that works on like the amateur level. Mm-hmm. Um, four pro shows then I do think it's best the way um, Firma's doing it for Clash because I've been basically I've been saying this to Firma since I met them like four years ago you need to start doing it the way they do it in Europe where there's one class I think there's 10 of us competing in the Czech Republic like literally just 10 people in one class and people freaking loved it and um, it also allows the promoters to look after you better if it's only mm-hmm. 10 people competing they pay for a hotel Mm-hmm. they pay for our food they, they didn't pay for all our transport but they like picked us up from the airport all that stuff when you start having three or four classes you have 40 people you, you can't do that it's like it's impossible sure. so I'd, I'd like the UK to go somewhere in the middle I'd like us to have a little bit more organisation on the amateur level um, but still I, I still like the fact that nationals is completely separate like when I've Done um, UK's nationals one of five, and there's like twelve people in the final. You made to feel like a big deal for being there. Gotcha. Whereas I feel like you turn up to a show in America and then you qualify for nationals, and nobody gives a fuck. There's four hundred of you. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, so I feel like there's a middle ground. Uh huh. Like Clash, for example, I'm not sure what was from school, but he could he could run a qualifier that had couple of classes together but then they qualify for separate shows if mm-hmm. just for, in, terms of, in terms of logistics um so that's that's where i want to go um me and um another two guys in the uk hope planning to run a big show next year we're just looking for a venue at the moment where we have the 80s 90s and 105 together and kind of make it like sort of a british version of os3 but just for the three classes okay um but just finding a venue is the biggest stumbling block at the moment. Uh, but we'll get there. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting too. Cause I, I've never, I've never promoted a show, so I don't know exactly how it works, but I know here they do have to pay some sort of like sanctioning fee. So that, that negates that for you guys on your end, at least, which is nice. It does, but then we have, we have to sort out like event insurance for ourselves. Gotcha. So it's like that's where it makes up. Yep. Positive and negative. We have to like sort out event insurance for ourselves and like first aid stuff for ourselves. Um, which I'm pretty sure a strong man called covers mm-hmm. if you if you sanction it. So there are there are positives to going sanctioned. I'm not I'm not gonna just talk shit on it <laughs> constantly. I'm just definitely yeah. definitely positives. I could feel like it would take a lot of um, logistical headaches away. But I do yeah. kind of like the yeah, way we do it over the years as well. It allows us a lot of freedom in our shows as well. Like I said, we can do all we want. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like hiring a, uh, a party planner, you know, it's just, it's just setting yeah. aside, delegating some of those duties, you know, yeah. sure. Whereas at the moment, I have to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough, man. What yeah, uh, so, do you usually, do you usually break even when you throw a show or are you in the hole? Typically? No, we normally make some money. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, to be honest, I guess I've said to people before, cause I, I'm not sure what it's like in the U S but in the UK, there's been a stigma in the past against promoters making money like if you're seen as making money they're like oh you're just doing it for the money and the profit you don't right. love the sport and i'm like the yeah. only way you can get promoters to stick around is if they don't fucking get go bankrupt so <laughs> <laughs> don't wrong, it's not it's not a lot um it might go towards buying like i don't know a new freaking axle or something for the next show right um but yeah we tend to, we tend to do okay um we also like um make money on stuff like could we have like a merchandise range with chaos so we'll sell all merchandise we'll sell food and coffee and drinks and stuff like gotcha. that so we do tend to make profit that way and mm-hmm. I, w- I wouldn't be able to do it otherwise because it, it does take a lot of um a lot of people don't realize just the amount of hours that go in behind the scene just to, for a show like just even the um admin shit and just responding to questions and emails and yeah, stuff like that. When you have like we had, I think we had eighty-five people. Our show we had like four weeks ago, um, which for just in it just held in the gym. It was logistically a bit of a nightmare. So it was just a lot of like um, planning was into it. So yeah, um, I want people to get out of the mindset that we can't make money in sport, and that goes for everybody, athletes. Or coaches, promoters. If promoters are making money, then the athletes are going to make money, mm-hmm. and vice versa. So it's, it just needs to get out of this mindset of, oh, it's a hobby. Let's all just do it for fun because we love it. I was like, no, <laughs> stuff has to be profitable to be maintained long term. Yeah, I think I think that really bad stigma has been around, at least in the U.S. From what I've seen, mostly because we haven't seen any kind of prize money at yeah. particular, you know, either sanctioned events where we know that they're profiting and nothing's being, you know, yeah. necessarily, or the show's not run well, or you know, it just doesn't seem like a high production value. So it's like, what are you doing with those funds? And that's yeah. I think that goes across the board in any kind of sanctioned event that we're talking about here strongman wise anyway, but that's obviously changed in the last, you know, couple of years, we're starting to see, um, prize money given out at local level shows with like USS. Um, yeah. it's not a ton, but a couple hundred bucks is great. Uh, and then we're seeing, you know, obviously strength lead is changing the game with what they're doing. So it's been, 
yeah, that's one of the things like me and we pride ourselves on when we throw a show is uh, it's well run, it's on time. Like mm-hmm. we never finish we never finish after four pm. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I've been to shows before where we're doing storms and it's like ten o'clock and it's dark outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not doing that. So it's organized. It's efficient. The equipment's always good. Like we have like match, we have properly matching sets of farmers, matching logs, matching axles, matching mm-hmm. players. Um, we treat everybody well, polite. So I want people to get an experience, and we are getting a reputation now of like, oh, chaos runs good comps. If you, especially for beginners, we are, that's why our beginner shows are so big because a lot of the coaches in the UK are like, if you want to do a first show, go to chaos. They'll do it properly. Um, so yeah, I, I agree with the stigma comes from. You see people making money, and then the show is still shit, and yeah. that is annoying. So I'm like, at least with my shows, people can see how well they run. So they're like, oh, okay, we don't mind him making a bit of money because he's there. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. That's. I mean, that's like I don't think anybody would fault Furman if he was collecting a paycheck right now, but I don't think yeah, he even God is. No, God no. You know. Yeah, but then. Like you say, if especially if the athletes are seen as being taken advantage of, like with massive fees and stuff like that, it does jar a little bit. But sure. like fees, contests are way cheaper in the UK in general. So, what are you? Yeah, what are your registration fees typically run for a show? Ours are let me translate it to a dollar freedom units. It'd be like fifty dollars. Like fifty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's uh that's a little cheaper that's than probably, over here. They they run about a hundred bucks here. And that's probably on the most expensive end. You'll okay. you'll you'll see you'll see shows from anywhere from like thirty-five to fifty. Yeah, ours and, are typically anywhere from eighty to one twenty-five. And there's no membership fees, obviously, because we don't have a federation. No. Um so it's just like a one off payment of fifty and you're in. So that's that's, awesome. that probably helps with participation numbers as well. No doubt. Especially at the novice level, because um, if you're like a guy who has aspirations to go to nationals, you don't mind spending a bit of money. Mm-hmm. But if you just want to shine up for one local show a year, it's probably $200 yeah. for one show then. Yeah, you got, I mean, now they just upped Strongman Corp to, I think, 77. So then you have to register on top of that membership. So it winds up being almost, yeah, 170 bucks. So. Not cheap for no, just for one for show. Yeah, so I think that and does then, help. Yeah, and then nationals. I I think nationals for USS are like one fifty. Uh, Strongman Corp nationals are one seventy five. So that's plus flights and everything. It winds up being pricey. Yeah. We are we are trying to get some prize money into our, our shows next year. Um, hoping that now we got a bit of a good reputation, get sponsors and shit. I think we're doing a master show. We're doing a master's only show in February, which is like the first time I've seen. And um, yeah, the, the winner of the open class goes to OS3. So, because it's um, awesome. That's bottling. Um, we're hoping to get like a few hundred. We hope we get prize money for the winner of that. Well, we are going to have prize money. I just don't know how much yet. Depends how much I can afford. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, because I want, I want to encourage people to travel. So I'm like, if I can give someone $500, that's half their OS3 trip paid for then. So hopefully they'll go. Sure. Mm-hmm. Whereas if it's cost them $100 to do the show, then 
I was like, oh, can I afford to go to America? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, but my priority is to get prize money at least into the shows that are going to lead on to something bigger. Mm-hmm. Like we're doing, um, we're running, we're running Wales Strongest Woman next year. So, national oh. for, for Wales. That's exciting. Um, yeah. So, hopefully, Becca Roberts does it again after she just won Wales. Yeah. Um, and again, we ha- we, the winner of that is going to always three. So okay. we're, we're, we're hoping to get prize money for the winner of each class there. That's going to have all. So the, when I said to you earlier that the um, we don't have every class, apart from the women, for some reason, I think it's because it came late there, we're all the women's national stuff is all together. Okay. Huh. So our nationals will have 64, 82 opens, and they're adding a, okay. adding a, 70, adding a 73 this year as well after their success of OSB. So... Um, I, th- I think that's only because the women, women strong women over here, only became a th- when it became a thing. There was already some semblance of organisation. So whoever started, they thought, oh, it makes sense to put them all together. So, that, that, mm-hmm. so, so the women are all together. The men are all completely fucked and separate. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a bit of a tip show to be honest. But yeah, that's wild. It's funny. What's chaos. That? <laughs> yeah. Oh, the name of your gym, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, how long ago did you start the gym? Uh, three and a half years. Yeah, wow. three and a half years. So, what? Uh, how did you get started in that? Were you just coaching people and decided to open your own facility, or we were? Um, we'd just been to OSG, so this was mm-hmm. end of 2017, and um. We were traveling like an hour or so every weekend to go train events. Okay. Because there was there was nothing in our town, and um, we'd be doing a bit of online coaching. We both had full time jobs at, at this point. I was working in an office doing some admin shit, um, and Ree was uh, working in a bar, and um, we were doing a bit of coaching online. Um, but then we were like, "Yeah, I'm sick of traveling an hour to <laughs> to train." So, and there was nothing in our area at that time, so. We were like, fuck it, let's just open our own place. And um obviously it didn't materialise that fast. We had to Right. <laughs> we had to get like we got a business loan and we had to you know get a business plan together, sort of finances up, etc. But basically it came from the fact that we couldn't be bothered driving for an hour. And we were like <laughs> let's um, let's get our own place. Um so we opened there. Um I stayed in work for the first six months in full-time work, we went to the gym. Um, and then after the first, after six months, I quit my job and we both started full-time in the gym then. So six months. Wow. That's quick. Uh, yeah. I was going to have a breakdown. If I'm being honest with you, I was like, I was doing, I was doing my nine to five jobs. So it was a 40 hours there, but it was an hour travel each way. Mm. So, so I was spending, t- I'd leave the house, House at seven AM. I'd get back to the gym. I'd get to the gym about half five, and I'd work at the gym till nine ten PM. Yeah, that's right. And I'd work. And I'd work at the gym on the weekend from like nine to four, so Saturdays and mm-hmm. I did. I did that for about six months straight. So I don't know what the, how many hours that was a week. Maybe like eighty. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I said. I said. I said. I was like, yeah, I need to quit my job. I'm gonna die. Basically, and then uh, and I quit my job. So that's awesome. Yeah, 
And uh, so we've been, and then we've been full time coaching and running the gym since then, which was so yeah, like three years full time, pretty much. Wow. And how long were you competing in strongman prior to that? When did you start? I started in 2011. I think my first show was. Okay. Um. So yeah, I've been doing strongman for like six years prior to that point. Really, only just got into it into strongman. Um, she's only done like three shows, but she's been powerlifting for like since she was like sixteen. Oh. So mm-hmm. she had um, a lot of experience no. lifting. That's not in strongman yeah. specifically. Yeah, not a tough okay. transition into strongman from powerlifting. No, OSG two thousand seventeen was her third show, I think. Oh wow! Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty fast that you were able to quit your job. That's awesome that it didn't take you. You know, a lot of people wait years to be able to get their their gyms up and run into that capacity. Yeah, we, we kind of took it with the um, mindset of like now on ever sort of thing. It's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I always had the option of going back to work. Is what we figured. I was like, oh, if, mm. we're really, if we're really poor in six months' time, I'll go find another job. But it, <laughs> it worked out. So, right on. And then we expanded the gym, like because when we first opened it, we we only had uh, one room. It was like a thousand square foot. That was it. Okay. So we had like we had two platforms. Uh, we had monolift because we wanted one because she's a powerlifter at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, like a bench, leg press, a lap pull down, and like a cable, cable roll. And that's, that was it. That was the gym. Wow. We had all the strongman kit as well, but it was like shoved in the corner and we had to go outside in the rain to train the Yorker farmers and stuff. <laughs> so, and then during. Just after we came out of lockdown last year, the business next door to us left. So we were able to get that now. So now it's still not a massive gym compared to like ones I see in America. Um, mm-hmm. But now we have like 3,000 square foot and we have like a dedicated room indoors for events with New York farmers. Okay. And everything inside. So that's been a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. No, if you have the room to do moving events inside, that's huge. Oh, yeah. It was like that was the one thing I was like, that's what we need. We need to have an indoor space where we don't have to get wet. Because it really mm-hmm. where, we, where our gym was rains a lot. Oh, okay. So it was like, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, that's how it was. Uh we were in Seattle before and there's tons of rain there. And then you get, you know, little little snow in the winter and everything. And we were doing some moving events outside and it, it sucked, but but then for some reason, like six months ago, me and Reed decided to move. So um, we were our gym is in Preston in North England, but I, I'm from South Wales originally, and we had the opportunity to move back to Wales. So we really don't actually live next. We live like five hours away from our gym now. And, How um, does that work? Um, it kind of runs itself nowadays. Okay. We have like a good core group of members um, who look after it. Um, we got a few PTs who work out there. Um, yeah, it, just, it kind of runs itself, and we do all our online programming from the house, and then we just go back up there like once or twice a month to do some in-person coaching, make sure the place hasn't burnt down. Um, that's that's yeah. great. I mean, that's that's a pretty stellar setup. So we just we set up our uh, training, and the new place down here for us to train, but it's not like a gym; it's just like a 
thousand square foot room just for me, Ray, and two of our friends. So, because we live in the middle of nowhere now, so the nearest trip is like an hour away again. <laughs> so, so what was the draw to move back to Wales? Then was it just uh, where your family is, or it's, um, it's where my family is? Um, we've got four dogs. Um, and when we were living in the city, it's just it was a nightmare just taking the dog dog mm-hmm. dogs off a walk. Um, I know it sounds stupid moving for your dogs, but it was like we lived right in not right in the city centre, but pretty close to the city centre. Um, and it's just we just wanted to slow down a bit, basically, and just mm-hmm. chill out. Um, we live at the top of a mountain now, essentially. Um, so the dogs love it. Um, mm-hmm. Just especially. With, um, COVID and 2020 especially was like a really stressful year for us we came quite close to losing the gym mm-hmm. just with the finances because we were close for six months um, yeah so after we made it through that everything survived we were like we need to chill out or we're going to die very young <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a lot of stress man owning a business in this last year I don't uh, I feel lucky that I didn't own a business during that time <laughs> Yeah, um, it was it was very tough. Like I, mean, I know, like being millions of people around the world in exactly the same situation, probably people, a lot of people in a lot worse situation than us. We were, we were very lucky in terms of like our members continuing to pay the memberships. Mm-hmm. Um, well, most of them, so we still had some income coming in. Um, but it wasn't just that. Like our online coaching basically shut, shut down because nobody could train. But all the freaking gyms were closed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the competitions were cancelled. So like pretty much every avenue street. But every money stream we had was like done. Gotcha. So we were like, so we were like, fuck. But yeah, we managed to we managed to get through. Um, and then we, but after that, we were like, yeah, we need to step back a bit and just chill the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome that you get to kind of relax now. Um, and it's, I mean, that's stellar that you got one your business up and running so fast that you could quit your job, and then now that it is self sufficient to that extent, yeah. that's. Amazing. Yeah. Um, we, the UK, especially now, is quite lucky that the strongman scene is thriving. Um, mm-hmm. So you are, to, like, I know quite a few people now making a living from the sport who are not even pro strongman, like just coaching, having a dedicated strongman gym. Um, uh, yeah, there's quite a few people now doing it as a job, which five, ten years ago was not a thing. Mm-hmm. like at all yeah that's uh it's very few and far between over here in america i can only name less than less than a handful but uh, i think it's on the upward trajectory getting there yeah a lot of the um, strong men you've seen them they're like kind of hybrids so they like might have mm-hmm. some crossfit in there and a certain as- aspect of commercialization ours is purely strong men gym that's and, awesome. and- and a bit of powerlifting. We do have a few machines. We've got like press and stuff, but yeah, and the basics. But we're primarily a strength gym, and I think every single one of our members competes. So that's pretty cool. You don't see that very often. Usually, there's a lot of gen pop. No, and um, like um, there are, we have quite a few people who are on a good level. Like so, obviously, we have three uh, this year. We had three OSG finalists from our gym. Wow. Um, if you include the online coaching, it was actually like six. 
but <laughs> oh that's cool <laughs> so, um so yeah it's a, like very high standard like this probably off the top of my head i think we've had like 10 girls pull over 200 kilos um that's probably like so we, half of the uh girls in the world that can do it <laughs> yeah like th- three guys pull 900 pounds um, jesus so yeah, it's pretty. It's a good atmosphere. It's a good environment to train. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Uh, so I had a couple of questions posted on Instagram for you. We answered a couple of them actually already through normal stuff. But uh, Sean Shoemaker, deadlift oh, man himself, wants to know what possessed you in the world to actually be good at deadlift because it is awful. Oh. <laughs> It's Sean is an absolute psychopath though, and he pulls fucking no belt, no straps uh-huh. half the time. And I just don't understand him whatsoever. I was like, if I have to put a max and I don't have my suit belt figure eights, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not taking part. So yeah, I, I'm not sure. I, I was I personally was always just good. I think I pulled four hundred pounds when I was like seventeen the first time I ever did. Wow. And then I pulled like 500 pounds like two months later. Which, That's awesome. So I played rugby when I was younger and stuff. Mm-hmm. But the first time I actually stepped from the gym, I was like, yeah, deadlifts are my thing. <laughs> That's cool. I mean, not many people find their niche that fast. No, it was, it was pretty quick. I was like, yeah, I'm I'm, rugby can fuck off. I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to deadlift. But awesome. yeah, so... Sean's a lunatic, and I really want to see him pull 900 pounds this next year. I think he can, if, if that becomes his priority. I think he's still looking at Clash um, to be the main main goal. So, Yeah, well, he's still a very, very good all-around strongman. So Absolutely, yeah. It, it makes sense that he doesn't mm-hmm. want to just be a one-trick pony like myself. Yeah, I mean, he was at the finals this last year. I think uh, he took, was it sixth place? Fourth, was it fourth? Uh, you, know, you, you might be right. I thought it was fourth. I'm, I'm not. Sh- I know Tyler Young was fifth, and I think Sean was either one up or one down from him. I can't remember. That sounds right. Yeah. So yeah, that's. Uh, he, I mean, he's a savage competitor. There's yes. no doubt about it. Um, Darren Heltemez wants to know if you're ever going to stop being fat and come back to 105. We already kind of answered that. I I'll have you know I don't like this like being about six years. So I'm, I'm down to like 240. So okay, and I w- I was a lot heavier than that. So where what'd you get up to? Ah, uh, lot heaviest I was last last lockdown. I went up to I'm just doing the conversion in my head. I was 126 kilos. What's seven pounds? Uh, 250 and 25. It's like 275, almost 280. Yeah, plus I was I was up there last about ten months okay. ago. So yeah, that's, was, that's getting thick. I was just a fat piece of shit. I'm only five foot nine. So <laughs> okay, yeah, pushing two eighty at five nine. I mean, that's getting thick for that cut. <laughs> yeah, and the only thing that got bad there was my strict log press when I was in. Well, yeah, that's that's about the only thing that get strict overhead is gets better when you start getting that that belly on you. Yeah, so I'm I'm back down to two forty now. So. <laughs> I am within cutting range again. So fair enough. 
uh, Zach wants to know, is the UK stronger than the US? You said you already think that the US has a stronger pool, but would yes. you say like percentage wise, you think the US is stronger? Is it just because our population is so big? I think it varies by, it varies class by class. Like it's, it's, it's weird how the um, talent seems to be concentrated um, in different classes. One on five, the US is definitely better stand than the UK, in my opinion. I don't. I personally don't even think it's close. Like, okay, I think you could have five or six guys in the US who would come over and win our nationals. Personally, wow. Um, Matthew um, would give him a good run in the moment. I'd like to think I would while I'm when I'm fit again. Um, the few other guys in the UK who would be competitive, but I think one or five US definitely has a better standard. Um, okay. UK is better in other things like the under 64 women. I think the UK is dominating that class. Sure. <laughs> uh-huh. I think we had four to five, four of the top five row history were British in the 64s. But yeah, one or five men. Unfortunately, um, the US are the best at the moment. <laughs> we'll see if uh, if that changes in years to come um, as it's grown. I think because the Europe still kind of looks at 105s as being like the lightweight of men, doesn't it? As far as there's like heavyweight and then just lightweight. I know there are other like there's obviously 90 and there's 80, but how what's the difference in um, what's the statistics as far as who competes in what? I guess uh, 105 is definitely the biggest class. Um, really? Okay. Especially- Especially in the UK, um, compared to sorry, compared to nineties, nineties um, heavyweight. I, w- I would still say it's not given the same respect as the heavyweights, um, but it's getting there. Um, Europe mm-hmm. only seems to have heavyweight in one or five. They have a few nineties, but, but and the eighties doesn't seem to exist in mainland Europe at all. <laughs> from from what I've seen, like yeah, the main local shows and stuff, and obviously we have a few competitors who go to worlds. But it doesn't seem to be for like I don't know random country. It doesn't seem to be a Czech Republic's strongest man under eighty. Gotcha. It seems to be heavyweight one hundred five. That's it. Okay, it's interesting that I mean, is it just that? I wonder if it's that they don't care. There's not people that want to do it. Um, I would say it's probably all stems from the fact that up until. Well, four years ago, there wasn't the world's strongest man under 90 kilo. True. Okay. Yeah. 105 obviously is not as popular, but there's been some version of under 105 worlds for the last 15 years. Because, mm-hmm. um, like I said, I've been doing it 10 years, and 105 was thriving when I started off in the UK. Yeah. So I think it's just time. Now that OSG is a thing, I think we'll slowly see the 90s and 80s go into all the other countries. Smaller people realize they can actually do this. Yep. Whereas before now, there hasn't been any avenues. So I think it's just time. Same with same as women. OSG has only existed for the women for four years. Yeah. So as is, the longer around. Yeah. Is uh is CrossFit big where you are? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it might be, and I'm just not in most circles. Um, okay. The only, I would say probably is because when I've been to expos and stuff, there's like been a fairly large CrossFit presence as more at most of them. Okay, but I, I don't in terms of like gyms and stuff. There's not a single CrossFit gym where I live. But I, live I, I only, I only asked just because I, 
I think CrossFit, the growth in the last 10, 15 years of CrossFit has really expanded the growth into some strong men because, you know, 105 guys typically don't do super well at CrossFit if they were starting yeah. out there because they're just a little too big. The cardio is yeah. not quite there when you're that size. So a lot of them probably transition into the events of strongman, whereas the 80s and 90s can still compete at, well, CrossFit has more money in it for one. Yeah. Um, so they might, you know, they might be sticking around there. So that might make sense why that pool's a little smaller for those classes. I know we've had um, quite a like our beginners comp that we ran two weeks ago. Um, four or five of the girls told me they were CrossFitters who just okay. signed up signed up to the show for fun. So there's obviously a CrossFit element. I'm just not sure how big it is because mm-hmm. I'm not really in those circles. So I don't yeah. know. Understandable. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not fit. So <laughs> same, same. I'm not, you won't see me at one of those. Uh, well, that's, that's all the questions I had for you today, boss. Cool. Um, I think I talked a lot of shit, probably not much <laughs> about one of my strongman, but that's okay, man. We talked about a lot. We covered a lot of bases. I think, uh, I think people are going to really dig this one. Cool. If they can understand what I'm saying, of course. <laughs> I think if I can, I think they'll be able to just fine. We're good. Cool. Hold on. I appreciate you taking the time. No worries. All right, have a good one, man. Are you? Take off.